0: Third Shift presents The Imposters Guide to Gaming, your quick fix for gaming news. Here are your hosts, Eric and Matt. Well, hello everybody. Let me see. Mm, do you like machetes? Do you like cutting people in half? I know I do. Do you like Arc <laughs> Symphony? I don't even know what that is.
1: You're about to find out.
0: Let me go back to talking about cutting people's heads off, because I know about that. Or maybe you're into some card games, chilling out. I don't know. Or an RPG. We got some stuff for you. Stay tuned.
1: That's right. Now let's check out what's on the store shelves for you guys. Top 5 Releases Coming up at number five this week, we got a game from a franchise very near and dear to my heart Samurai Warriors Spirit of Sanada. This is developed by Omega Force, published by Koei Tecmo. Came out on the 24th of May for PC and PS4. I said it already Samurai Warriors series. What do you think? Hack and slash beat em up style. This one's a little bit more of a twist on the series. It follows one main clan through like about 50 years of their history, their biggest battles, their biggest, you know, rivalries, all that stuff. So if you're a Samurai Warriors fan, if you're a Warring States history fan, check this one out. Again, like I said, it's a twist on on the formula.
0: So next up, we have a beautiful fighting game that uh, one of our listeners, longtime listeners in fact, Howard the Duck, plays. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure he's going to be super stoked about this if he doesn't already own it. And that game is Injustice 2. It is the sequel to 2013's Injustice Gods Among Us. It was developed by NetherRealm Studios and published by Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment. As I've already said, it's an awesome fighting game in the vein of Mortal Kombat. Yep. So this game is a fighting game using all the DC superheroes. So you got all your your Batman's, your Supermans, your Supergirls, your Green Arrows, you name it. They're all there. And the premise of the game is Superman does a really bad naughty thing, and everyone's out to get him. Boom! I won't <laughs> see. That's not a spoiler, right? That's Me that's before. pretty good.
1: I like that. Yeah, keep it vague.
0: I keep it super vague. But uh, if you like fighting games, especially Mortal Kombat, I've heard good, good news. I've heard that this game improves upon Injustice Gods Among Us in every way, and that the story is a lot of fun. It's one of the best stories from what I'm hearing from several sources, in a fighting game anyway, that is. I'm excited. Making I'm going to have to get to work and check out uh, Howard's opinion on this one and maybe go take a peek and rent it
1: (laughs) the first one was a really excellent game I bought that I bought the season pass I got a ton of fun out of that one so seems like more of the same coming from Injustice 2
0: and if you didn't know it was released May 16th so get on out there and check it out
1: next up we got Shadow Warrior 2 brought to you by Flying Wild Hog and published by Devolver Digital oh gee that name sounds familiar oh we've talked about their retro shooters on the show already and I've even spoken about Shadow Warrior 1 on the show so hey it's the sequel to the reboot remaster I guess more of a reboot of Shadow Warrior from quite a few years ago now. This dropped on the 19th of May for PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Again, more over-the-top crazy zany action with Lo Wang, and I believe this one even has co-op, I think up to four players from last I saw. All kinds of over-the-top action, weapons, ripping demons apart. The first one was a blast. I'm sure this one's going to be another blast, so go check that out.
0: Next up, we've got Friday the 13th, of video game. Uh, it was published by Gun Media, developed by Ilphonic. and if that's not the correct pronunciation, don't blame me, because God, by gods, I don't know how to say that right. It looks like Ilphonic, and I'm sticking with it. Sounds good. I'm hearing stuff all over the boards about this. It's a awesome game in which you can have either be Jason, or you take the form of one of the seven different campers, so up to seven individuals play this at a time. What happens is that you get in a group with a bunch of people and go, and it randomly chooses one of you to be Jason. And the others take the shape of obviously the camp counselor, and you don't get to pick. You got a one in six, a one in seven, whatever, one in eight chance of being Jason. So some people say it's pretty neat. Others are a little upset about that. If you get Jason, he's got like a particular set of skills. So he can stalk around and like warp from one area to the next. He can kind of get a sense of where the campers are. Like it appears like in little red, you know, heat flashes and stuff for him. So, you get these cool little abilities to hunt down the camp the camp counselors, and then, on their end, you're over there trying to pump gas into a car, get out, hide long enough, find the phone to get the police called, and of course, you're weak and helpless once Jason gets to you, you can run obviously or try to attack him if you got something, but eight times out of ten, you're probably gonna die because you you know you got stamina stamina runs out, you can't fight, you get all weak and slow and stumble, and this and that, and then of course, he's ratcheting on you, throwing you into the you know a tree stump. It looks like a
1: lot of fun. Now, is this the Kickstarter game?
0: Yes, it is indeed.
1: That sounds really cool, because I remember when I first saw it on Kickstarter, all they had was just a video of Jason killing everybody. It
0: was brutal, too. I remember that. But
1: now that it's actually a full-fledged multiplayer game, randomized who gets Jason, and the counselors actually have tasks to do to try and get away, that actually sounds really, really impressive Mm -hmm. and really cool.
0: A lot of people are saying it's obviously 10 times more fun when you're Jason, but to me, that's a gimme. No duh, when you're walking around chopping people up. Jason has other costumes, too, which is really cool. I'm hearing that there is some lagging issues, glitching issues, things like that going on. So there's like a little bit of meh involved, but from what I hear, everybody that's playing it, though, even with those, just having fun. And enjoying the experience. Hey, if you want a cool action game that just came out as of May 26th, go ahead and check that out.
1: Last but not least, a game I've been looking forward to and anticipating for a very long time. It's not the full release, but the open beta of Gwent has launched for PC, PS4, and Xbox on the 24th of May. This is brought to you by CD Projekt Red, the same people who did Witcher 1, Witcher 2, Witcher 3. All amazing games. So if you played Gwent in Witcher 3 and you wanted more of it, you definitely are going to want to jump in this open beta. I mean, it's free. There's no reason not to at least try it and play it. But I've got some issues with it that I'm going to tell you about later in the show. And speaking of later in the show, let's start rolling into some topics, dude.
0: Woohoo! Let's do it! Number 5 So first up tonight, I wanted to talk a little bit about one of my favorite genres anyway. I won't say it's my favorite, but it's pretty damn close, and the memories I've had with this particular genre are just uh, heartwarming. Bring me back to those special days, and that title is Dragon Quest. There was some news just recently, and I got this from IGN, from Alex Osborne, talking about Dragon Quest X will be releasing in Japan for the PlayStation 4 on August 17th and the Nintendo Switch on the September twenty-first, that's what got my interest because they said they were going to be releasing a Dragon Quest MMO. For those of you who do not know, Dragon Quest X is going to be their take on an MMO, and I'm super stoked to see what that all ends up being. I haven't seen too much for it because it hasn't been announced for you know North America as of yet. So I don't want to get all you know into it and oh my God, I'm so excited! Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be great, and then oh, it's never coming. So. Why did I, right. I get all excited? But I feel very, very happy about this because they added Nintendo Switch to the list, and that makes me think that it very well may come over here because the Switch has been such a great success here in the West, mm-hmm. and there's not a ton of games on the Switch still. It's kind of like a hey, let's release this. It's sure to get you know some good sales because well, there's you know not a ton of options right now for that particular platform, so. That gives me hope. And along with that, it, later on in the article, it talks about how, of course, Dragon Quest XI, which hasn't been announced, and I'll say this it hasn't been announced, but everyone's pretty sure it's coming over to the West. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a you know, you can get pumped about this one. And that comes out right before the MMO does on July 29th for the PlayStation 4 and the Nintendo 3DS. And it's the same thing. Obviously, you're going to want some titles on the 3DS. They've brought several Dragon Quest over to the 3DS already. So why would you not do this? Their, their last proper Dragon Quest, Dragon Quest Eight. I can't tell you the memories I had, just the happy times spent in front of that dang TV playing that game. And if the newest one, Dragon Quest Eleven, can live up to that, oh, I'm in heaven. And then if the MMO comes over to the West, I'm on board. I'll be on my switch at work playing an MMORPG and a Dragon Quest one at that.
1: Now two questions for you, or or two two points of discussion, I guess I would say. First off, have they showed any media of Dragon Quest Ten? What well, I want to know what the graphical style of it is. If we're looking at like a Dragon Quest Eight in an MMO world, like that sort of two D ish cel shaded, or if we're going like full three D. Have you seen anything on that?
0: I haven't seen very much on it. I've seen some images and then like a little cartoony trailer. Okay. And it looks more like Dragon Quest VIII in that cartoony like cell shaded but it looks a little rounder. So that's why, you know, it's keeping in with what I'm used to and that's why I kind of got interested in the first place.
1: I'm not a big Dragon Quest fan, but when you were talking about an MMO in the world and I was like man, you know, your first little area, you'll be fighting the little slimes, and they'll be jumping out look, with their little mm-hmm. smiles on their faces, looking all cel-shaded and little gorgeous. Blue, and I was, happy like, I was like, man, even I can get into that for a while. But mm-hmm. then my second point of, and this is kind of like counterpoint to be like, hey, bring it over, it'll be fun. MMOs require, you know, big old server farms, big old all this other stuff. And so I could see him doing it for Japan, where it's going to be guaranteed 100% guaranteed, huge, huge hit.
0: huge hit.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm iffy about if that's going to be happening here. <sighs>
0: And that's why I haven't done too much research on it is because i I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I don't want to believe that, but it's of course pretty much a huge truth and yeah. the the resources that would require for them to come over here to the west would be very very costly and even if they stayed over there and you were just using server bases from there, they rented some out or whatever blah 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 blah, blah. it's money plus I just feel the connections wouldn't be that great, regardless, so oh, yeah, would yeah, be poor for it. Mm-hmm. So that one's kind of a pipe dream. Eleven's pretty much for sure coming over here, and it just bugs me. I'll go to my last point on this: is that I don't understand how Final Fantasy, you know, another awesome RPG series, has come out in the West. Pretty much almost all of its, you know, titles besides a couple have come out in the West over time.
1: I think they all have by now. They came out later, but still, they're they're at least here
0: now. And their later ones were all here at the same time, or even first, before they were released in Japan. Mm. So why is it that series made it to the point where they were like, oh yeah, there's money here, and we're rolling with it. And the Dragon Quest series, which is like a sister series, just stayed in the you know East and every once in a while they're like we'll throw him a bone we'll give him this one maybe and then that was it and it's such a good rpg it's a solid beautiful happy happy rpg
1: i think my my counterpoint to that is that you know you're comparing final fantasy to dragon quest and i i get where you're coming from But I feel like each Final Fantasy has kind of turned, not not so much the gameplay, but like the systems on their heads. Like instead of just being a bunch of character classes, now you can choose jobs or now you can equip Magisite to learn spells. Now you can equip Materia to make yourself do completely different things. Versus I feel like Dragon Quest is kind of, here's your main guy who is a good attacker dude, here's your healer girl, here's your this and that, and it's it's very kind of rigid and old school, and there's nothing wrong with that because it's a great system and it obviously works well, but it doesn't feel as, as fresh as the Final Fantasies do, because each Final, like I said, each Final Fantasy is basically a new experience. Versus Dragon Quest, you can kind of hop from one to the other and the enemies are going to stand in a line in front of you, you're going to choose from the menu
0: but that's the beauty of it though and you know i guess i see your point you know final fantasy always redoes itself and comes out all spiffy and neat and new but dragon quest always stays true to its form and it does it fantastically you know you're getting a jrpg and it's going to be a very solid awesome jrpg
1: yeah, and I'm not trying to argue that that's a bad mm-hmm. thing. I'm just saying that's probably leads to why Final Fantasy is a little more popular because each time it's something new versus the Dragon Quest formula again and again. Even though the game may be great and you know you do enjoy that formula, it doesn't feel as fresh or as evolutionary each
0: time. I get it, and I will say this though: I hope they're paying attention, and and I'm sure they have been. You know, the last few Dragon Quests, including Builders, have done very well over here. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that, and typically, and when I say this is typically the release date's almost a whole year apart from the release dates from Japan to here with the Dragon Quest series. Mm. I'm really hoping that when July 29 comes and it's released over there, we don't have to wait till next year's July to see Dragon Quest 11. I'm hoping that because of the previous successes, it's only like a three-month delay, a six-month at most, but mm. not a full year. And I'm terrified that that's just not going to be the case and we're not going to see it for a full year and... It breaks my heart. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, we shall see, sir.
0: Hey, we shall. So if you guys are interested, definitely do a little homework. Check it out. I'm going to stay on top of it, and if I hear any more information that uh, I think would be pertinent, I'll let everybody know. Number four.
1: All right, number four. This one kind of falls into both Matt's Indie Game Showcase and a cool article I saw on Kotaku that I wanted to talk about. So this is about a game called Arc Symphony, and I asked you before the show if you knew what Arc Symphony was. You said no. Mm-mm. Now's the time to look in your Skype messages. Look at that picture that I sent you, okay. and do you recognize that box art? Do you oh, do you remember see. playing that old PlayStation game?
0: I do not. I do not, Matt.
1: Okay, good. Because you shouldn't, because that game does not exist. Awesome. What's really interesting about this is, this game's been making the rounds on Twitter a lot lately. There's been a Kotaku article about the whole phenomenon that has become Arc Symphony. Uh, A bunch of other sites have covered it too. But it started on Twitter with a bunch of game developers tweeting out, kind of like that picture I showed you of this... PlayStation 1 box art of a game called Arc Symphony saying, oh man, I was digging through my old jewel cases and look, I found this. And they would throw Arc Symphony in there with Final Fantasy Tactics or Legend of Legaia or some other legitimate games. And so it got people thinking, oh man, what's this Arc Symphony game? How come I haven't heard of it? A couple other developers tweeted out a screenshot of, like, the PSN store, PlayStation 1 classics, Final Fantasy Tactics, Xenogears, whatever, here, here, here. And then Arc Symphony photoshopped in there going, oh, man, here's a deep cut for a super sale. And people were like, oh, man, what is it? What is it? But then people started saying, I do remember playing this game. I never really got into it, but I remember having this, or I remember playing this at my buddy's house back in the day. It's It's so weird because it's kind of, like, twisted people's heads around to where they... <laughs> remember this game that doesn't even exist Uh, like the developers have said that they've gone to you know conferences and stuff where they're showing off the actual game and they have the the arc symphony box you know the box art in a jewel case and all that stuff and people have come up and said oh yeah my brother used to have this game or i had this game when i was a kid i remember all about it it's like no you don't because there's nothing to remember about this
0: game (laughs) that's gorgeous
1: like I said, it's just this little viral Twitter marketing campaign that got blown up, and then now it's...
0: Much larger than itself.
1: Yeah, it's people's memories of the real world are changing now to where this thing maybe was a thing that they remember.
0: What I always tell you, Matt, you say something enough, it becomes the truth. That's true. It's a fact. It's, it's science. <laughs> it's been proven. And, and case in point, here you go again. <laughs>
1: But what Arc Symphony is really about, and I don't think the actual game is called Arc Symphony, but it's a, like I said, a little indie game on Itch.io by two developers, Sophia Park and Penelope Evans. It's basically, I'm going to take you guys back to the past with an old, another old-style computer game. Basically, this game takes place on an old, like, Usenet message board, basically, where people are talking about... Arc Symphony, the game inside the game, and it's it's like a just like a little quirky narrative game where you know you're going through old threads. You can read everybody's messages. You can reply to it. People reply back to you.
0: It's not the one where they use like that old messenger system, is it? It's not that one, okay. but I, I know what one you're talking about. Gotcha, gotcha.
1: But it's just it's kind of a similar feel to. I mean, you must be 18 or older to enter, which I talked about before. Where you, like, you boot up the computer, you dial into you know, the message board, and then you click through the topics using like an old DOS interface. Mm-hmm. So like I said, it's just a really small kind of cute little indie game to take you back in the day for, for a while. So not not a whole lot of meat to it, although I did notice, I played through it twice now, and I did notice that each time your screen name would change, like I started off the first one as like uh, Dark Orochi or, you know, whatever it was, and then the second playthrough, I was like Seagull of Storms or something. So I don't know if you can get different reactions based on, different screen names you have on different playthroughs. It doesn't seem that way, but I want to read the quote from one of the developers on this whole phenomenon that it spawned. I think this was Sophia Park. It's actually really unsettling when it stops being indie game devs having fun with each other and starts being, well, rewriting cultural memory.
0: I'm digging it, man. I'm digging
1: it. I definitely recommend people check out the article. Check out the game for a little blast from the past action.
0: Number three. So I've been on a rpg kick and i think it's because i'm just deep deep into the persona 5 world and loving every minute of it so my next little schnick of the day is going to be final fantasy 12 the zodiac age which is the remastered version of the classic rpg final fantasy 12 released long 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 time ago this is of course if you don't know published and developed by square enix they're just remastering An old game. But why I bring this up is because it looks awesome. The remastered looks really sexy. The job systems have been overhauled. And what they did was they took the later built-in job system that was only in Japan. And now they're bringing it into the remaster to the uh, North American version as well. So looking forward to that. But it caught my eye, Matt, because very specifically I bought this game. I was super excited for this game long, long ago on the PlayStation 2. And I got it day one, collector's edition, and mm-hmm. I didn't touch the game. <laughs> I didn't play a single little ounce of it. So at the time, I had a roommate, and he popped it in before I'd even come home from work after I bought it the night before. So I come back from working at you know my old, old, long ago <laughs> job, and he's in the room playing the game. So my first thing was hit him in the face... Why are you playing this new game? I haven't even opened it, you moron. He's mm. over here playing it. You know, oh just thought I'd check it out, man. Woohoo. <laughs> so I sit down and I start watching him. And the fighting system in this has a gambit system. For those of you who don't know what this is, is you don't fight traditionally anymore. You know, it's not attack, magic item use. You can still override and do those things, but that's not how you want to fight in this game if you want to win. You want to go into this menu, and you want to say if health less than forty percent, heal. If enemy uses fire, attack. If th- and if then statements, basically, just boom, 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 boom. And you want to build all your characters up using these if then statements. Now, at the time, I railed against the system. I lost my mind. I couldn't handle it. I was so angry because I've played, of course, you know, tactics. And I'd played Tactics on the Game Boy Advance and SP and all those, you know. <sighs> oh, my gosh. So I was had such high hopes because this game, also for those of you who do not know, is based in Ivalus, which is kind of like the alternate. Usually they're like in Gaia or some other such, you know, weird world. But, you know, the, the Tactics games have always been in Ivalus. And this one was based in Ivalus, so I was super excited. And then I saw him playing, and I saw this Gambit system. And at the time, I couldn't deal with it. I couldn't deal with it. So I refused to play my own game, which I just spent, like, $90 on or whatever it was. (laughs) And then to boot, for somehow, some reason, my roommate convinced me to keep the game and let him play all the way through. So I bought my roommate a game.
1: That's pretty nice that you spent $90 on James. I mean, it's pretty good.
0: it was awesome. I was so happy about doing that. Oh, man. So, long story short... I still have that game to this day sitting over there because I'm stubborn. I refuse Mm -hmm. to sell it on Amazon or get rid of it because it's a lesson. And paying attention to what the hell I'm buying before I buy it (laughs) and don't just assume something's going to be great and amazing because its predecessor was exactly what you wanted.
1: Hey, and hey, you should have learned the lesson from Final Fantasy that we just talked about. If you wanted it to be the exact same as its predecessor, you should have bought a Dragon Quest game.
0: And I would have, except for the Japanese don't bring the dang Dragon Quest games over here, as we discussed. And they need to.
1: <laughs> Although, hey, they brought over. I think it was six, seven, eight in succession. Yes. Nine came out like ten years later on the DS, right? That was yeah. that was the DS one. It was the DS. You one. Bought, I bought that one. That I have it. Yeah, yeah.
0: I've played about seventy percent of it. So see they
1: they they brought they brought them over. They just yeah, don't do it there. It takes often.
0: years and years, yeah, and it becomes yeah. to the point where you're like, oh, it's it's fun to pick up this classic little game instead of it being
1: oh, here's the super new hotness.
0: Mm-hmm. Precisely. So. After seeing that's being remastered, at first I kind of didn't have too much interest in it. But then I went back and looked at—I it. was looking at some gameplay videos, uh, how to use the combat system properly. And I'm like, man, this is just like you know Dragon Age and those types of games, and you know, I love those games. Mm-hmm. I'm like you know, now that you're not an idiot and just wanting to use you know that one particular combat system, maybe you should go back and give this a chance. So I'm sitting here and I'm talking about this and kind of you know using it as a the therapeutic way to decide. Whether I just go back to my PlayStation 2 and pick up the original, or do I get this beautifully remastered game with a brand new job system, which is, from everything I've read and heard, vastly superior to the one that was originally on the PlayStation 2 in North America. hmm Oh, and I, I, I'm leaning towards getting it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh.
1: Let's say, in this day and age, are you going to go from Persona 5 on your PlayStation 4 back to the old PS2, blow the dust off it, look at some chunky graphics, some, like, polygon people. No, you're not going to do gonna that. that. Do you're you're going to play two hours no. of it and go, mm. yeah, I tried, and I just couldn't d- get into it, dude. I, know.
0: I agree, no. I agree. So I think in the long run, I'm going to purchase this game, and I'm hoping that the second mm. time around I can appreciate the system and really get into it. But I know I love the job system, and the job system allows you to customize your character to the detail. It allows you, if you want to be a red mage, you can just go down those skill trees and click, 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 and go down that way. You can become, like, uh, you know, two classes at once. Whatever you want to be, you can be that. And I love those systems. I love them. Absolutely love any system that allows all your characters to pretty much be whatever you want to make them. That looks great. The gamut system, I'm really digging it now that I'm I'm not dumb and young and just, you know, stuck in my ways. So this is one I want to give a shot, and I would encourage those of you who enjoy RPGs to maybe take a peek at this. Obviously it's been remastered, so the graphics are, you know, smoother, better, a little more streamlined. But of course it's still dated, so I mean you're not gonna come into this thinking you're getting anything that's supposed to be typically on the PlayStation Four. True, true. But it still looked pretty damn good. I don't know if you've seen any videos on this at all, but
1: I, I haven't seen it, but even You know, going back one previous, when they did the Final Fantasy X and X-2 remasters, those games looked great for, you know, being remasters.
0: Yeah, they sure did. So
1: I can only imagine this one's going to look fantastic, too.
0: Mm -hmm. So if any of you are interested, it is released on July eleventh, 2017, and once again, developed, published by Square Enix. I'd recommend taking a peek at it. And who knows? maybe I'll be telling you somewhere down the road exactly how it was once I go ahead and play through it and you know give that gambit system another go. number two.
1: So next up, as promised earlier in the episode, I'm going to tell you guys about the Gwent open beta that dropped on the 24th of May for PC, PS4, and Xbox One from CD Projekt Red. For any long-time listeners of our main podcast, Third Shift, you're going to remember me talking about playing through Witcher 3 in pretty much the early episodes of... Third shift, and how I would get caught up in Gwent all the time.
0: I remember. Oh yes, it was a
1: card mini game in Witcher Three: Wild Hunt. You could, you know, challenge random people in the world. You could, buy, you could build decks of. I think there were four different factions in that one. You could build all these different decks, play all these different people, compete in giant tournaments, win all kinds of rare cards. It was really engrossing, and it it was just a big time sink. But it was fun. It was rewarding. It was everything that most card minigames aren't in RPGs. This was just a fantastic experience. I dug it. I know a lot of people dug it. When the DLCs for Witcher 3 came out, they came with physical Gwent decks that people just went nuts nice. for. I went nuts for them. I mean, and they're, you know, they're the typical card sizes, so you could put them in card sleeves just like you do for, you know...
0: Magic, baseball, any of those. You know. Oh, yeah,
1: all that stuff. So everybody's been pumped for Gwent to come out. They've had a technical test... Earlier, I think maybe it was even the end, tail end of last year. I got into it, but that was only on PC, so I could barely run it on my old... I don't have Junker PCs, but my older PCs couldn't handle it. So I didn't get much of a taste for it. And this has been my first real chance to sink my teeth into the standalone. And I gotta say, it is it has just completely flipped the game on its head. For anybody who doesn't know, Gwent, I'll try and buzz through the rules real quick. Basically, you make a deck of... 25 to 40 cards and each card has like a base strength like you're going to play Redanian Soldier he's got a base strength of three you can play these cards in one of three rows in front of you your opponent does the same thing the goal of the game is to have the most strength at the end of the round win two out of three rounds in your set what's unique about this is you build your deck of 25 to 40 cards you draw 10 into your hand and in Witcher 3 That was basically all you had to go with. You had these cards with specific strengths on them. Certain cards would have special abilities, like if you play two Blue Stripes Commandos next to each other, they would double their power, so they'd each be 10 instead of 5, something like that. And there were very few cards that would actually influence the other side of the board or influence the way your cards worked. And it seems like in the full game of Gwent, every single card is special. Every single card has special abilities. And it's just... It just makes the game so much... I mean, it makes it so much deeper, but it makes it way more incomprehensible to the layman. You know, I've played Gwent in Witcher 3 for hours and hours, and I was playing through the tutorials and very early challenges of the standalone Gwent just getting my ass kicked. The opponents are laying down cards. They're doing all kinds of things that I can't understand because I don't know what the card is because it doesn't pop it up to show what it's doing. Other cards are getting doubled in strength. My cards are getting killed, which... I think there were two cards in the base game of Gwent that could kill other cards. Now there are tons of them. Like all the Catapult, Ballista, Trebuchet cards, things like that, those all attack the other cards, and they do it regularly. Like every two turns, the Ballista will shoot a card on the other side and damage it, which was something that was not in Witcher 3's Gwent at all. It feels like it's going from this really elegant strategic card game... ...that it was before, where you really had to work to influence cards on both sides of the battlefield. And now it feels like it's just going to Magic the Gathering or Hearthstone... ...to such a degree that it's really starting to alienate me. For anybody who does know the original Gwent, I do want to run through a couple cards... ...just to explain the differences and how they work in the base version and the new version. So, two of the cards that really do bother me are the weather cards. Biting Frost and Torrential Rain. In the original version of Gwent, you would play these cards to reset... The base strength of all the cards in one certain row on the battlefield to 1. Now, this did this on both sides of the battlefield. So it's a really risk-reward system here. You really had to strategize. Oh man, my opponent has a bunch of melee guys. I want to screw up their strength. But if you have a bunch of melee guys, it screws up yours too. So you really have to plan ahead. Now, in the standalone version of Gwent, Biting Frost and Torrential Rain, you can play them in A- any row on your opponent's side of the battlefield that you want, and B, what they do when you deploy them is they damage cards in that row every turn. But they don't touch your side of the battlefield at all. There's no strategy now. You just, oh, I just want to attack here, biting frost on that row. Instead of, oh, I'm going to play it, but I really have to manage my own side as well to make sure that I'm not completely screwed over here. It just transforms it from this really elegant strategic game into, oh, uh, i got to pick a card with a big number, and i got to shoot his card with big numbers. I don't know. It just really bothers me.
0: I don't play the card games that much, but I can tell you, man, I don't know why you're too surprised that they did this because Magic the Gathering, Hearthstone, and there's a couple of really big ones, and they're escaping me right now. Out there, I'm sure they looked at those, and then of course, they looked at their base game that they had on the you know, the Witcher 3. And unfortunately, they're like, Well, this is what everyone's into, these are the type of card games that they really want. Can we put the faces and names and keep maybe a couple things from our Witcher 3 game and build something? And unfortunately, it sounds like it, it built an entirely different card game.
1: I think what they should have done was not called it Gwent. They should have called it like Gwent Series 3 or Gwent Series 2 or something like that because it's not the original game. The way it's cycling through cards is different because in the original Gwent, you got your 10, and then you had like maybe two cards that would let you draw more. And now in this one, it's, oh, you get your hand, and then after round one, both players get two more cards. After round two, both players get another card. You had to work ...to get that in the original Gwent. Now it feels like it's just giving you that for free. And now the cards have big HP pools. They're attacking all the other cards. They're doing this, that, and the other thing. It feels like instead of having to create a really smart strategy... ...and figuring out how to manipulate the battlefield the way you want it... ...building a deck that will specifically do one certain thing, now it just feels like you just get to brute force it. Oh, lay down this guy. He's got 8 HP, and he attacks one on the other side every single turn, so nothing's ever going to happen with him. Lay down a defense guy right next to him and just, just brute force your way through. It's just this completely different feel, and I'm not digging it. It's like going from a stealth game like Metal Gear Solid, where you got to be careful and plan your approach and watch what the other guy's doing, to now you're just going to Call of Duty, just, oh, go, 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 throw your abilities out, go, 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 do all the things. I'll give you one more example, and then I'll stop. The weakest card you had in the original Gwent in your starting deck, it was the PFI, the Poor Effing Infantry. And he had a strength of one. And the only special ability he had was if you put two of them together, they'd double each other in strength. So instead of having two on the board, now you'd have four. But still, if you played one PFI, he'd have a score of one. That was it. Now you look at the standalone Gwent in the very first deck you get, your very starting deck. The weakest card in that deck is the Temerian Infantry. He has a base strength of three. And you lay him down, and he automatically spawns two more Tamerian infantry from your deck. So basically, your weakest card, your very weakest starting card in the standalone Gwent, essentially has a strength of nine. So you see what I'm getting at here. hmm
0: No, I get it. And that's just what people love, though, unfortunately. I mean... People love to see the flashiness, see the big numbers, see, you know, all this epic going on. They don't want this strategic, slow paced game where you gotta sit and use your brain.
1: And I gotta say, I've been following Gwent and CG Project Red on Twitter for a while and so they were like, Hey, here's this new card and here's what it does and so I was I was watching it this slowly kind of build up without realizing how big it was. And I even tweeted at him once. I said, hey, is there going to be like a classic mode where, you know, cards with all these really special abilities are, you know, out of the queue, like a matchmaking queue, where I want to play Gwent Classic. But they never responded to me, and I guess they never did because the answer was no, because none of the original cards even exist in the game anymore. Uh, I'm really trying not to just totally hate on this game. But, like I said, it's totally alienated me, and for anybody out there who did love the original version of Gwent and was really looking forward to this one and still is, I really recommend that you dive into the public beta. It's free. Go in there, make sure it is still the game that you want it to be, or that it has changed into a game that you want it to be before you drop any money on it, you know, when it actually comes out later.
0: Or... Or just buy it, and then you can have the same experience as me buying a game and letting your roommate play it and never touching it. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> I'm not sure how long the public beta runs, but like I said, it's free. Jump in, see if you dig it. I don't really, but maybe you'll like it.
0: Number one. So last but not least for tonight, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the elephant. The giant elephant, man.
1: How bad Gwent is?
0: No, no. <laughs> I Although that it. is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Destiny 2. Yes. So gameplay, all sorts of details were revealed. Finally, everyone's been sitting around waiting and just waiting to get something on this one. So I'm going to go ahead and kind of give a crass course and kind of the stuff that was announced, let anything that's changed, I don't want to go too big into it because obviously, as we always state, If you get interested in anything we're saying, go to the big websites. They'll have article upon article and video upon video for you. But if you played Destiny 1 and you enjoyed it, I think you're going to love Part 2. If you played Destiny 1 and you hated it, I'm going to tell you all to stand by. Because... It is Destiny, all right? The graphics haven't changed, really. It doesn't look like the play style has changed very much. looks like that's pretty much all the same. At its core is the same game that Destiny 1 was with mildly improved, you know, some area of graphics, this and that.
1: I was going to say, but even saying that, during Destiny 1's lifestyle, it improved greatly from what I understand, right? All through the DLCs, everything got better.
0: Taken King changed Destiny 1. I mean, it just changed it all around Mm -hmm. so i've always encouraged people who tried destiny one vanilla and were like "Eh, it's not my jam to come back and give it a go from taking king on there you go because there's just way more story put in more characters you know brought to the forefront and given some flesh and fun so this looks like more of the same on a much grander scale okay so for those of you who don't know there's weapons in this game Did you know that? There's guns and stuff.
1: I thought this was like a kung fu fighting game. (laughs) What are you talking about? Isn't this the one where you drive a race car down the street?
0: No, you're right. There is. They're called sparrows, and you're flying down the roads with them. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Uh So there are going to be new weapons. Uh, Some that we saw, chain guns, grenade launchers, SMGs. These are getting added to the already awesome lineup that they've got. The old, they used to have a primary, secondary, and a heavy. They're changing the system now to have... Kinetic, energy, and power. Power is going to be where your sniper rifles, fusion rifles, grenade launchers, rocket launchers, those type of weapons are going to be. But kinetic and energy, they've changed it around. I don't know if they've showed it, but they've alluded to the fact that you're going to be able to get much more inventive with it. Hmm. Whereas before, it was, you know, here's your auto rifle, here's your fusion, here's your rocket. It sounds like now, if it's a kinetic SMG, and you find an energy SMG, you can have two smgs if you nice. like dual wielding hand cannons from what i hear they might certain ones might play with one another where you're going to be able to dual wield for a couple seconds or something nice. this isn't that part isn't fact yet but it's been alluded to there's a lot of hype a lot of talk going on regardless i'm liking the system a lot more because most of the time i either use my primary or i use my heavy I rarely used a special. I didn't, I PvP'd, but not a ton. Mm -hmm. And even when I did, I was a primary guy just because I'm not a PvPer per se. I just enjoy going in there and shooting people and having a good time. So I didn't use, you know, the sniper rifles. I didn't use the fusions. You know, I rarely used those. I was always just about the primary. This is going to allow me to have two primaries. Mm -hmm. And that is exciting to me. So that's something they changed. It
1: definitely sounds like it's going to allow for a lot more different builds than just, like you said, one, two, and three, and they have to be a certain weapon kind to be in that slot. Now you can dual wield. Now you can have all kinds of just crazy
0: combos everywhere. Yeah, see, I'm telling you, man, and we're going down the list. There's more improvements, Matt. I'm going to get you on this game if I have to die to do it. Well, if, if
1: you die, I'll take your copy, then I will be on the game. So. Son of
0: a bitch. <laughs> <sighs> do they have new classes? Oh, Matt, great question. They do not have new classes. Boo. You Wait a minute. Be... I-,
1: I thought the answer was gonna be yes. Boo. <laughs> now, hey, but boo
0: listen. Oh, oh boo. man. But listen but hey, listen. Hey
1: <laughs> Double Boo. <laughs>
0: so not even listening got anymore. Got the... Damn it. So they've still got the Titan, they've still got the Hunter, and they've still got the Warlock. Nothing's changed there. However, it looks like they kinda well over they overhauled all the uh, the subclasses, but it looks like they took like the weakest links from one of each of those, and then they replaced it with something new. The Warlocks got a new solar setup, and they use this thing called the Dawn Blade. So, like, before, your ability in that particular area was you could self-res. So if you died, boom, self-res. Nice. Now, they've got this setup to where you're, like, more of a—you heal yourself, and then when you get your ultimate up, you can go around slinging these flaming swords and stuff at people— it was. It looks pretty sweet. It sounds so, cool. as a warlock, which is the only class to be us. I'm super stoked because, you know, the solar was just so boring before, and it was, like, mandatory most of the time in raids, especially early on when you were oh, like, yeah. yeah. oh, are you solar? No, I don't want to be solar. Uh, yeah. Well, you're going to do it because that way you can self-res and maybe save the day, you know. It's like gosh, dang it!
1: I was gonna say that's one of those skills. Why would you ever not take it? I mean, I know yeah. why you wouldn't want to, but mm-hmm. hey, look, I'm just gonna instantly just come back. Uh, okay,
0: yeah. gotta do it. Once you get the raids down, then you know everything let up and you can do it you want it again. But right in our in our particular setup, yeah, it was always you solar until we had it on farm. So uh, the Titans, they got this whole new Captain America setup. So. You're running around with the shield, flinging it at enemies. You're setting up these smaller barriers in front of you instead of doing the bubbles. Looks really cool. The hunters—they've got the Arc Strider, and what that is is they get out this cool magic pole staff, this you know whatever you want to call it. Freaking, (laughs) I keep saying pole staff. Doing some pole jumping here, just yeah. Well, that's the big meme—is they're pole dancers now. Ah, nice. Yeah, they, they come out and you're over here dancing around bullets and just taking people out. Really cool, really fun looking.
1: Oh, like a bow staff, kind of like twirling yeah, it around. Yeah, like a
0: bow staff, twirling around. Yeah. You okay, cool, it. cool, cool. It. And just to jump back a second, the Titan that was called Sentinel. That's the Cap America setup. So those, for those of you who don't know, and then they stated that they tweaked existing uh, subclasses as well. So it's not all the same. They redid it. They cleaned up the whole visuals for your leveling system and whatnot. Made it look really nice, really easy, too, instead of it was this mass just boom, 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 down the screen, down the screen, all these little, and you're picking them. And now it's just like, hey, here's these abilities clumped together that make sense and go together. Mm. Here's the next set over here. So you know what you're looking at without having to backtrack or pay close attention. So they made improvements there. Looked good to me. I obviously haven't played it yet, but I was digging it. And uh, what else did they do? God, it's just so much. <laughs> most importantly is the locations, and then on those locations, what the hell you can do. This is the part that has got me the most excited for this game, but I ain't going to lie, Matt. You know, I'm a little skeptical because okay. they broke my heart in the first one. They told me we were going to go to Worlds, and it was going to be alive, and this and that. And mm-hmm. you know me, I play MMOs. I'm thinking NPCs running around, this and that, quest givers, dailies, all sorts of cool stuff to do, right? Mm-hmm. We got the game. No, no, barren wastelands. Nothing on these beautiful worlds. Not a single living soul.
1: That's the impression I got from the videos I would watch. Like, all right, get on your spare, and we're going to just drive through nothing. Oh, here's a little enemy camp that just spawned up. Here's a little cave with a box in it. Chink. And Drive fly more
0: keep going there's nobody here nothing's going on and you're like Mm. how how does anybody learn or know anything because you know you're always getting these reports in the tower hey we know we need to go here we heard that this is happening Like, well how there's not a single person alive on any of these planets doing anything see that's
1: how they went oh my gosh we got life form readings on saturn oh must be something (laughs) going on go get them
0: oh Jesus, get down there. God. <laughs> so do you think they fixed this, man? Do you think they did it?
1: I would hope that they did.
0: They sure as the heck did. Oh, Maybe, boy. Because, like I said, they told me this before. We'll see. <laughs> so I'll just say what they told me, and then, of course, we'll we'll stay skeptical and we'll watch because I don't trust them 100% at this point.
1: <laughs> the worlds are now 10 times more alive, but 10 times zero is still zero. So, zero. oh, yes, no. Exactly.
0: So we're going to New Worlds. That's the first part. And these New Worlds are Titan, Io, Nessus, and Earth's European Dead Zone. So you're going to all these New Worlds, which is in and of itself super exciting. They said that the first area you go to is larger than any of the maps from Destiny 1. Nice. And then on these maps, there's going to be a ton more to do than just the patrols. There's going to be NPCs, towns... Uh, They've got quests, dailies, all this stuff. They've got world events. They're going to have adventures where they're like these little 10, 15-minute long little escapades you go on. And then there's treasures. And then there's uh points of interest. All this stuff happening. And actually, it's called uh, Lost Sectors is what they called it, where there's going to be like a boss, a little area you got to get through. Then a boss you fight, which has key to some treasure chest sitting in there. And oh, okay. Basically, they made it sound like, at all times, there's going to be something to do on the patrolling worlds instead of just finding the little icons and picking them up and going there and doing those. Which, after a while, you didn't need you didn't need to do those. There was no reason to do them anymore, so there was no reason to go on a patrol. And I was like, okay, I'm done with this. Mm-hmm. Now, apparently, there's going to always be something maybe new around the corner to keep your interest. At a high level. And on top of that, they've upgraded the map system. Because before the map system, you know, hey, this is where you're going. That's it. Didn't have names. Didn't really tell you much of anything. Hmm. Now in the new map system, they've got where the dailies are happening at, where upcoming events are located. If you've got any, like if NPCs say, hey, go over here and do this thing, boom, it pops up on your map where you need to go. They've named all the sectors so you can see it clearly, beautiful, the whole nine. So uh, that part is what got me just like, yes, thank God. Because I play a lot of that game by myself. You know, There's mm-hmm. only like two, two, three hours a week where I get on and raid with anybody, and that's it. The rest of the time, it's just patrols, PvP, log off. And now that I can actually go down the patrol and just see all the things to do and this mm-hmm. and that, I feel like, hey... Yeah, I'll play Destiny. I'll get on here and stay on instead of just get on for 10 minutes, shoot my gun randomly and then <laughs> log off cuz I really don't know what to do.
1: I was going to say it'll actually give you a reason to keep coming back to it, keep playing each day.
0: Mhm. And then especially since like I was saying the lost sectors will have like bosses, etc. that mm-hmm. would, you know, and hopefully the loot from them will stay relevant and it's not going to be like beginner loot, so you right. do a few boom and if you're like me and raid You go raid, and you're like, okay, well, I don't need those anymore. I'm hoping there's some other incentives to do those, achievements, I don't know, whatever, Um, Mm -hmm. resources, things like that. We'll find out, I'm sure, as we go farther along. And then uh, moving on from that, another big issue that I've had for a long time is matchmaking. Destiny didn't have it. You had to go to off-site. You had to go onto the Internet. You had to go on these whatever different clan areas or whatever pickup groups you wanted to get into. And they'd yeah. be like, hey, I'm a single guy looking to have fun. And then people would be like, you seem stupid. And then you don't get picked, or you get picked. And then they'd say, do you have this particular gun or set of skills? And no, uh, no, nope. nope. get out of here. You suck. Ah. <laughs> just not that enjoyable. And I exaggerate a little bit, but it was still just annoying and could take upwards of 20, 30 minutes to get something going. Well, they might have fixed this one, Matt. They might have fixed this one. <laughs>
1: A lot of maybes in this, Eric. A lot of maybes. <laughs> well, Eric. because
0: they're trying to do things the bungee way. They're trying to do things their own way, you know. Yeah. And they didn't want to do a straight up LFG like most MMOs and games like that do. They said that the toxicity involved with LFG is something they don't want to be prevalent in their game. Yeah. So true. They're making clans full on supported in game, so that's cool. Basically, mm-hmm. you can have a guild now. You get a tabard, you get the whole nine, invite people to your guild, and away you go. So already, boom, big step forward, that's for sure, and I love it. Now where the LFG comes in is apparently if you're missing an individual, say you need one or two members, and uh, you're like, oh, crap, all right. So you can put your name out there as your clan with a little description of who you are and what you're looking for and what your clan's all about, and say you need two people. Now solo individuals, and I'm not sure if you can go in as a duo and do the same thing, but solo individuals can come in and they can preview you. So they can say, oh, uh, Eric's Eric's Red Hand Band. Oh, hey, hey, bunch of idiots who love to raid and somewhat serious, they do decently. Ah, well, that sounds dumb. I don't like them. They can pass me by and go to the next clan. and then, you know, So
1: it's, it's Destiny Clan <laughs> Tinder here. I'm going to swipe left on this guy. I'm going to swipe right well, over here. That's
0: precisely it. That's what you do. And then you pick who you want to raid with. But uh-huh. the coolest part is, is you enter into like a little... They got this whole setup, this little mock agreement where it's like you understand you're coming into this clan's group and you need to be respectful to them and understand that this is their raid, this is their activity, and you're the guest. And then you have to agree. And then it's the same thing from the clan thing. It's you understand that you willingly went into this program and you're bringing in somebody who potentially doesn't have any knowledge of this raid or skills, et cetera, or this particular weapon, and you're going to be polite to them in this engagement. Mm-hmm. And then you have to accept, you know, you get this false sense of, yeah, I said I won't be an asshole, you know, and he said he's okay with what we're asking for. And so now you got a mm-hmm. mutual agreement. And in theory, you're going to get people easily, quickly, and you're going to be rolling through your raids without too much hus and fuss. And these people that picked to go with your group are going to be compatible with what your guild or clan or whatever you want to call it is rolling with. Mm-hmm. So you see why I said maybe.
1: Yeah, I see. I see what you mean.
0: This sounds like it's cool and it sounds like it's going to work out. But at the end of the day, as I said to someone at work, what if your clan seems boring or off or whatever, whatever it is, and you're just getting passed over? Yeah. Over and over and over again.
1: You're sitting there down two guys the whole time.
0: Yeah, Yeah. you could sit there for an hour and never get picked. There's the potential for that to happen. Mm -hmm. That part of it I don't like. You know, that's why I did. I do love just old school LFG. You click that button. You're getting people dumped in your group. That's just the way it's going to be. So there's the downfall, obviously of that. So this one I'm I'm excited for. It's way better than what they had, but I'm still like, well, crap. Now I got to like create some cool statement that really catches your eye and makes you want to raid with me.
1: Put some happy smiley faces in it. Every everyone loves a smiley face.
0: <laughs> but in theory, I'm never going to need to use this because I, you know, I already have a raiding crew. Right. So I don't think it's going to bug me that much regardless of whether it works or not. But you never know, sometimes people are sick or out of town. Mm-hmm. That'll be me one day, having to get on there and hoping people like my cool statement. Yes.
1: <laughs> if I ever get on Destiny 2, I'm going to forever pass up your guild. Guild invite? No. God damn it. Looking for guild? Mahogas Red Band Raiders? Nope. Nope.
0: Oh, goodness. Real quick, to kind of finish things off. Competitive multiplayer, they went ahead and switched everything up to 4v4 in all modes. What this means, I'm not quite sure. I know they said they wanted to really focus more and more on uh, smaller teams and just getting in their intimate battle systems. So I'm wondering if capture still going to exist because that was a 6v6 mode, mm. you know, those types of things. Are, are they going to cut it down, change the map size to accommodate 4v4? You know, I, I'm not quite sure. Like I said, PvP was something I did casually. Yeah. So this one doesn't really, you know, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. Oh, I'm so sad. It doesn't bug me too much. I know some people were saying that they're upset because they really like large scale PvP, mm-hmm. when and you know they feel like they can have more fun and that it's not like as you know oh, sweaty as.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can see that too. Because once you get up above like five people, then you can kind of be the outlier. Uh, he's getting killed a lot, but it's by the one guy who's over here versus mm-hmm. here's the main team fight. If you're the goat that day, if it's four v four, everyone's gonna know and see it. Actively, yeah, usually, they're
0: gonna, and, that, and that's very true. They'll know that you are the one that's not pulling your weight, and that could create some tension. But to me, at the end of the day, it's a game, and I generally don't let myself get too beat up about it. Or if I do start getting salty.
1: I was gonna say you get you get salty, Eric. You get oh, yeah. you get a little <laughs> ragey. Don't be like, "Oh, it's just a game. I don't sweat it at all." No, I've I've seen well, you, but Eric. But that's
0: sir. just it. As me and you were playing, now I can't just rage quit, so I keep going and I work through it. But on my own, when I'm just sitting in the dark room, you know, playing, uh-huh. if I feel myself getting mad, I just okay, and that's it. Yeah, click, and then I'm out, and I'm watching a show or just doing some PVE, and it's not a big deal. The only time I stick with it is if I'm obviously me and you were playing, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, well, you're just gonna have to deal with it, just bust through them false barriers and keep that's, going. That's right. <laughs> uh, so that was just some of the stuff they they've got. They've got some more stuff they were announcing. The beta is gonna be coming up in at some unknown time, and obviously to get in on that beta, you're gonna have to pre-order the game. And speaking of which, it's gonna be coming out on the PS4, the Xbox One, and Brand new, never before, on the PC. Oh, my goodness. What? Yeah, so if you want to be tournament ready, the big dogs, you want to go where all the big guns are going to be, you're going to have to go PC because modders are going to be there. That's where the tournaments are going. Unfortunately, the consoles are going to be sidelined just like they always are in these types of games as the consoles go just for fun. But saying that, there still will be exclusive content for the PlayStation 4 at least into late 2018. So for all of you out there who want to be getting the first of the strikes, first of these weapons, whatever they come out with that's exclusive, you're going to want to be on the PS4. If that doesn't matter to you and you want to be where the tournaments are going to be and where all the big streamers, etc., are going to be, you're going to want to be on the PC. And if you're anybody who just doesn't have those, Obviously, you're going to be on the Xbox One. So they get the short end of the stick on that one. But even then, I wouldn't say that because I know Xbox One and PC have that big thing going now. You know, if you can play on this, you can play on the other, blah, blah, blah. And to end it all, just in case you all don't know, it will be 30 frames per second. It's a big question everybody's always talking about. It'll be 30 frames per second on the Xbox One and PS4. That includes PS4 Pro. Although, if you have the PS4 Pro, it will play 4K, but it will not go up to 60 frames per second. But the PC will be 60 frames per second. Ah, so,
1: yeah, you definitely are going to be competitive on the PC. Yeah.
0: So, once again, like I said, PC is where it's going to be for the big time. Consoles will be just for fun. But, hey, I'm fine with that. Like I said, I casually PvP. I don't have to be in there doing all the big competition mode stuff. I'll be a little sad because I do love Blizzard and obviously blizzard's under activision and so is bungie and so they're putting destiny 2 on blizzard Oh
1: yeah, I did see it was going to be on battle net.
0: Yeah, it's, it used to be battle net, now it's just called blizzard I think. Oh okay. But they still called it, you know, battle net in the actual presentation, so whatever. It's going to be on battle net. So right there alongside my favorite games, World of Warcraft, Diablo 3, it's going to be sitting right there with it. And I'm like, oh, how cool would that be in that one screen to have some of my favorite games sitting up there? If you guys want to know more, obviously go do a little bit of homework, but that in a nutshell has got, you know, all sorts of info for you. That should whet your appetite just a bit, I hope. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and close it out. That's
1: right. It's time for the wrap-up, sir. Imposters
0: Wrap-Up.
1: So as you guys always hear in the intro, this podcast is brought to you under the Third Shift Network, so if you guys got any questions for us, any concerns, any ideas for the show, any th- ways you think we can improve the show, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at info at thirdshift.me, you can tweet at us at thirdshiftme on Twitter, and you can find us on Facebook under Third Shift.
0: Hey, and as always, we'd love to say thank you to everyone who's listening to this, giving any feedback. We appreciate it very much. If you like what you hear, obviously go check out our our mother podcast, Third Shift, all about Gearbox and Gearbox games, all that good stuff.
1: As always, this podcast drops every two weeks on Tuesday, so we'll be back in your ear holes on the 13th of June for our very next episode, which you can find on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Podbean. Maybe I'll even upload it to YouTube. Who knows? So give us a like, a rating, a review on any one of those services because we super appreciate that good stuff.
0: Yes, we very much do. Those five stars always help us. Get us up there in the ratings, make some people see us, all that good stuff. You guys know the schmuel. Oh, yeah. It's on every podcast in the world.
1: And with that, I'm just going to wrap it up by saying, don't forget forget to to save. save.